Brought to you by Feitner Productions. From the Unreasonable Doubt Studios, in association with Feitner Productions, this is Laying Down the Law! With your host, Billy DeClerc, and co-hosts, Kristen Drenning and Curtis Rutherford. Featuring a jury of genius jokesmiths and paneled with the help of Publishers Clearinghouse, auditors from the firm of DCH Lottery Management, and selected by random draw from a hermetically sealed mayonnaise jar every Tuesday and Thursday at half past never. Only a madman would bring these people together to construct an entire virtual world of law and order simply to tear it asunder with ruckus laughter. That madman is attorney Billy DeClerc. The result is a podcast blasted to the farthest reaches of the interwebs. That podcast is this one, and it starts right now. Welcome to Laying Down the Law, a comedy podcast hosted by me, the persimmon-loving chipmunk of the Supreme Court, Billy DeClerc. And I'm co-host Kristen Drenning, actual lawyer, storyteller, improv teacher, person who is very in communication with the bats. Um, And today we welcome back to the pod my friend, comic, actor, improviser, Henry David. He just completed a successful run of The Hunchback of Notre Dame in SMC Theater, and he's currently performing at Westside Comedy Theater every Monday. Yeah, I am thrilled to have you back on the show, Henry, but we did forget one of your credits um, here. I'm just looking at your um, Wikipedia page. There's something on here about Datarungi, um, Seoul, Korea's bike sharing system set up in 2015, also known as Seoul Bike. So can you tell us a little bit about your credit with respect to, uh, is it Dariungi, Seoul Bike? Can you tell us what, what, how'd you get into that? Oh, yeah. Well, so I have a, a, a buddy of mine. He works at this company called Young One in Seoul. Um, they're an outdoors company. And he uh, had uh, moved from the United States uh, a couple of years ago. And I wanted to go visit him because we were such best friends. And, um, you know, uh, he introduced me to this, this, this whole Seoul bike apparatus. There was a lovely lady that worked down there. Um, her name was Kim Soul. She was the, uh, the, the proprietor of this, of, of this, uh, idea. Anyhow, she really, really got me into it. Cause I, you know, I was sort of out of shape and, um, I don't know. She, we, we kind of connected, uh, like our souls connected in mm-hmm. soul. And I don't mm-hmm. mean that as a pun. I, I mean, I, I, and so I, I have this on my profile because, um, she laid me next to the Han River after a nice long bike ride, oh. and um, um, she she took my uh, took my virginity. <laughs> right, and and you'd want any prospective employer to know that, of course. Like That's I, on your resume. Like, like, yeah, uh, yeah. I just need really need people to know that I've <laughs> finally, just finally, gotten gotten that out of the way. Nice. Well, it's uh, it's great that we have that uh, link to the Wikipedia random page within your uh, within your profile there, mm-hmm. uh, and I, and I'm so glad to have you back again. Thank and you. Into, absolutely, it's always a pleasure. If you're interested in finding new approaches to representing yourself in court, you may want to check out Sovereign Filing Solutions. Sovereign Filing Solutions will help you represent yourself. Make the following argument: Courts only have jurisdiction over two kinds of criminal claims: common law and admiralty or military tribunals. And because there uh, can't be common law claims because there's no aggrieved party 
and the people or the state or commonwealth don't count because the judge, who's an employee of the state, has to recuse himself from the proceeding. So the professor who's explaining this, by the way, who's a gecko, if you look up Sovereign Filing Solutions. Wonderful. Uh, the prof professor Gecko tells us that statutes can never be the basis for a criminal action what? because they're not in the Constitution or something of oh, that sure. okay. nature. So you essentially go to court and you tell people that um, the court has no jurisdiction over you. Sure. And sure. that um, definitely works. These are uh, sovereign citizens, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, as a, as a person currently living in Texas, this hits very close to home. Um, I am but a 45-minute mm -hmm. drive from Waco. Uh, but yeah. There's another approach out there um, saying that the flag of the United States, because it has a fringe on the flag, the courts are secretly imposing admiralty law on us all. Oh. And because the United States flag with a knotted golden fringe on three sides and because the judges will not refuse will will not take out the gold fringe flag and replace it with the constitutional flag of the united states which has no fringe therefore that's legal notice to all who enter of the type of law that has jurisdiction over the court only the constitutional united states law signifies common law jurisdiction whereas the gold fringed united states flag is an admiralty or war flag which denotes admiralty or martial law. Wow. Unfortunately, oh, wow. this okay. does not work. And this is a case out of Texas. Yep. yep. Uh, the federal court has weighed in. And I quote from United States versus Green Street, a 1996 case. Others have attempted to persuade the judiciary that the fringe on the American flag denotes a court of admiralty. In light of the fact that the court has such a flag in his courtroom, the issue is addressed. The concept behind the theory is the proponent asserts that if the courtroom is adorned with a flag which happens to be fringed around the edges, such decor indicates the court is one of admiralty jurisdiction exclusively. To think that a fringed flag adorning the courtroom somehow limits this court's jurisdiction is frivolous. Civella <laughs> versus McCammon, describing petitioner's claim that the court lasts jurisdiction because flag was fringed as, quote, without merit and, quote, totally frivolous. Unfortunately for defendant Green Street... Decor is not a determinant for jurisdiction. Seriously, I love this cause. This is the greatest case I've ever heard of. It makes me want to go crafting. <laughs> makes me want to get myself to a Hobby Lobby right now and talk about it with everybody I beat there. For those of you who are uh, lawyers listening to this, the, the citation is 912 F SUP 224, Northern District of Texas, 1996. Thanks to Above the Law for uh, providing that tidbit awesome. and that is not the case of the week but you know i think um you know uh, henry the next time you know anything happens you go into court whether it's a whether it's a parking ticket <laughs> or you drive 127 miles an hour on the freeway just you know take a look and see if the flag is a fringe and you know you should try out this theory i think it would be uh, it's a really good idea oh no my advice right. is the opposite i say henry you get in there you notice that fringe and then you you adapt. You come in in a little sailor suit and you lean into that admiralty. admiralty okay. <laughs> <laughs> or just just turn right back around and, and, and leave. <laughs> and leave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, the case of the week this week um, concerns the difference between liquidated damages, uh, which is a clause in a contract that allows for damages to be calculated at the outset of the contract in some specified amount. So, a liquidated damages clause says. Uh, essentially that because the cal because the damages that would flow from breach of this contract are hard to calculate, we determine in advance 
that the penalty for breach of this contract will be X number of dollars. That's called a liquidated damages provision. That's distinct from an unenforceable penalty clause. A penalty clause is a clause that says, if you breach this contract, the consequences for breaching the contract will be X number of dollars. Sounds similar, right? Yeah, very similar. Very similar. So the test the courts use to distinguish the two is whether there's a reasonable relationship between the provision, the amount of damages that are allowed for in the contract, and what the actual damages might be. Um, And so, for example, if you have a contract that's a loan of $500 and you're supposed to pay it back in 10 installments of $50 each, and there's a liquidated damages clause that says, if you breach this contract, you'll be uh, liable for liquidated damages of $10,000. That would be an unenforceable penalty clause because the amount that was borrowed is $500. The payments are $50 each, and $10,000 is not. Uh, it doesn't have any reasonable relationship to the actual damages that would be um, that would occur in the event of a breach of the contract. Are liquid are liquidated damages clauses uh, typically not used or regarded? They're they're very common, uh, especially in construction contracts or um, in contracts where it it would be hard to calculate exactly what the costs of a breach would be. Um, one place you might see it is in a non-disclosure agreement because, for example, if you disclose someone's confidential information, it's hard to figure out exactly what the damages are because you have mm-hmm. to you have to go and find out, you know, where was it disclosed? Who was it disclosed to? How did they use it? What are the monetary damages for that? So if you have a liquidated damages provision that says each time you have a disclosure of these, uh, you know, trade secrets or confidential information, we agree in advance the liquidated damages would be $1,000 or $10,000. And that way, um, if you are the person who's trying to protect the information and someone then discloses it, you can go to the court and you can say they disclosed it, uh, you know, and my liquidated damages are this much. So I don't have to go prove what all the actual damages were. How was I actually harmed by this breach of the non-disclosure? It might be very hard to show that. you know, if it was a, uh, I don't know, a treatment for a movie and then the movie ends up getting made by somebody else and you, you know, lose your rights, you may actually have damages that are a lot greater than liquidated damages provision. But it's hard to calculate exactly, well, how can you prove that the movie would have gotten made had you been the one to pitch it, as an example. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I was just thinking to myself, but maybe I should save this kind of gold for comedy court. But why is it on a policy level that we would not want to allow people to punish people who break contracts, however they please? Well, you know, you are <clears throat> you are a Texan and you're all about freedom of contract. <laughs> that's <out there>. right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think I think the concern comes from contracts that are extremely one sided, like, a you know, think of an insurance company or I don't know. Any kind of click wrap or browse wrap agreement that you click every single day on your phone or computer, mm. those contracts that you never read that are one-sided and not negotiated, right? those type of contracts had some kind of really, really onerous liquidated damages provision, you might want to argue that that was unfair because, uh, and the term we would use, the legal term would be unconscionable because you really didn't get to negotiate the contract at all. A loan contract is another example too, where the bank's going to kind of set the terms. They're the one that's loaning you the money. Um, And, you know, when you think about 
how exorbitant credit card rates are already and the ridiculous, um, you know, overdraft fees, you can get like nine of them in a day. You know, if you aren't careful, it's, it's like, it's already pretty one-sided against the consumer. And so in those situations where there's real uneven bargaining power, we would want to, as a society, uh, disfavor penalties that don't have any relationship to the actual damages. That's my thinking on it. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Go, going back to the uh, construction example that you made earlier, so I, I know that it's very um, commonplace for, um, if, if, for example, a construction company goes over the, the allotted time that the project was supposed to take for it to be completed, then they'll have this type of like daily penalty for uh, the, mm-hmm. the amount of time it goes over the, 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 I guess, the closing date of the contract. So, or the uh, the time the com- project is supposed to be complete, uh, would that be considered the 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 form of the liquidated damaging or damages uh, sort of clause? Well, it depends on which depends on which side you're on. If you're on the side of the contractor, you may want to try and argue that it's an unenforceable penalty provision that bears no rational relationship to the actual damages suffered by the developer. If you're on the developer side, you're going to say that every day that our project isn't completed, it's costing us money. So um, liquidated damages are, are one of the most common places where um, liquidated damages clauses come up. And so, yeah, that is exactly an example of a liquidated damages clause because late completion of a construction project obviously does have impacts on the person who's contracting for, you know, thing to be built, right? If it's a, let's say it's a high-rise housing unit or something, it's got a thousand apartments in it, you know, a couple of weeks of delay if their project gets delayed, then they, you know, could lose permitting. They may not be able to rent out the units. So they're losing the future rent and and they're incurring carrying costs on the building loan. And so all those different kind of costs are packaged up and put into the liquidated damages clause. Construction contracts are, you know, a huge area for, you know, both writing them and for litigation because there's multiple contingencies and issues that come up, um, delays and, you know, uh, in fact, my father, who does occasionally listen to this podcast, has a, an extreme level of uh, of uh, interest in and experience with construction contracts, specifically delays, rain delays, and the litigation that could flow from there. So, yeah, okay. great question. Thank you. That'll be my only great question today. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. I hope not. <laughs> well, are you are you ready for the case of the week? Yeah, let's do it. The case of the week is lawyer versus lawyers. Mm-hmm. And uh, in preparing for this, uh, I do actually occasionally prepare for my podcast. In looking Ooh. up this case, I did find out that the law firm does still exist. I didn't look up the lawyer. Um, but the case is Ashcraft and Garrel versus Cody. Um, and this is um, DC Circuit case um, from 2001. What a bad year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is a dispute between Edward Paul Cody, who's an attorney, and the law firm of Ashcraft and Garrel. And it comes out of an arbitration award. In the arbitration or in the in the underlying case, what what came out essentially was that Cody had been the managing partner 
of the Boston office of Ashcraft and Garrow. He was fired in in April of 1998. Mm. At that time, he was the managing attorney and had been since 1993. But in 1997, a number of disagreements about his compensation and his management of the office flared up. And um, in July of 1997, Cody um, complained because they had failed to pay his semi-annual bonus. And the main thrust of the case um, has to do about a fight that we're not even going to talk about. Essentially, what the firm did was they they cooked the books to make his bonus smaller. They split the expenses between two years so they could give him a smaller bonus. Cody, not to be outdone, essentially worked on stealing clients, stealing <laughs> clients and trade secrets from the firm while he was still there, working with an associate, basically stabbed them in the back. So just lawyers and, being lawyers, really. Yeah, lawyers being lawyers. Yeah. So the the case is is pretty long and you know, concerning the the different disagreements that they had. Specifically, the evidence that related to specific acts of misconduct included Cody's attempt to steal clients and sabotage the firm's computer database. He had a conspiracy with a former associate and did not inform the firm the associate had left the firm. And then Cody tried to show that the firm had planned to kick him out for a long time. He had evidence of all these discretionary firm decisions that had worked to his disadvantage. They had basically manipulated the calculation of income and expenses to uh, minimize his bonus. He ultimately had been awarded $45,000 in unpaid bonus and that the firm ultimately had tried to drive him out and it might have been a different result. Uh, just a quick clarification here. Mm -hmm. So he didn't start, uh, I guess, leveraging his insider knowledge until he found out that they weren't going to pay him his bonus. And he, he figured out why they weren't because he had insider information and was able to determine that they were messing with the numbers to pay him less. That was the issue. I don't know if he, I don't know if he started working against them earlier or later. Um, I'm not sure which, which happened first, but basically, you know, this is some serious, like the old um, Mad Magazine spy versus spy stuff where they're just, as I like to say, the only ship that doesn't sail is a partnership. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I've never heard that before, but that's amazing. First time I heard it was from a judge. She said, she said, you know, this case reminds me of the old saying, the only ship that doesn't sail is a partnership. And you know what kind that's of ship does sail? A friendship. Oh. A friendship. Oh my God. I, I love that. I love that. That's really good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, I didn't come up with that. Wow. So the case of the week, what we're talking about is um, section four of the decision sections one through three. Boring. Boring. Section four um, is Cody's contention that the district court should have thrown out the claim for liquidated damages. Mm -hmm. The court starts out by saying that liquidated damages provisions are allowed if the amount agreed to by the parties prior to the breach is reasonable. There is, and they say it's hard to set a clearer test or a narrower test than the reasonableness of the sum agreed upon as compensation for the breach. So in general, 
a liquidated damages provision is valid and enforceable. Now, Cody did not say that as a matter of law, you can't have a liquidated damages provision. What he said was the amount of the liquidated damages provision in his contract was unenforceable on public policy grounds and is a penalty because it had no relationship to the amount of actual damages suffered or anticipated. The amount of liquidated damages was $400,000 in his employment contract. He cites to the uh, restatement of contracts, which is restatement of contracts is a doctrine or it's, a, it's kind of like a, a summary of the law that has evolved from cases. So in the law, you have the constitution that's, you know, sets out the rules of the road at the beginning. You have statutes, which are enacted by the legislature and you have decisional law, which is when the courts make a decision and interpret the law over a period of time. And so what the restatement does is it takes all the court decisions and it, it summarizes them in a short form, explaining what, what the, what the law is based upon decisional law that courts have said. So it's not anything that a legislature has enacted and the restatement itself isn't law. It's a description of what the law is. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's what precedent is all about, right? Mm -hmm. It's sort of like the cliff notes to a lot of law. It's mm -hmm. just the short summary of, of what it is. So what the restatement of contracts, section 356, for you nerds who actually look things up, says this. Damages for breach by either party may be liquidated in the agreement, but only in an amount that is reasonable in light of the anticipated or actual loss caused by the breach and the difficulties of proof of loss. A term that fixes unreasonably large liquidated damages is unenforceable on grounds of public policy as a penalty. Now, Reasonable, for those of you nerds who go to law school or mm. actual lawyers, nerd alert. Good God. Find something better to do with your life. Um, just kidding. Ouch. But um, reasonable <laughs> is a squish word. Yeah. It's a wiggle oh, word. Yeah. It is where the profession of an attorney lies, is arguing what's reasonable and what's unreasonable. Because what's reasonable and what's unreasonable is pretty much in the eye of the beholder. Mm -hmm. and so we have these words that we use because you can't come up with a one size fits all description of when something's going to be a penalty and when it's going to be liquidated damages. So how helpful is it to say sometimes it's liquidated damages and sometimes it's a penalty? Well, it depends on whether it's reasonable or unreasonable <laughs> and whether it's unreasonable or reasonable depends on how good of a lawyer you have. Mostly. Yeah. By the way, I am available. I'm very good. At arguing <laughs> things are unreasonable. <laughs> Way to, way to um, slip yeah. that plug in there. Uh, yeah, you know, ABP, baby, always be plugging. Just kidding. I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever gotten a single client out of this podcast. If anything, it drives them away. It's on my website, but you know, whatever. It'll, it's, it's on your website. <laughs> if anything, it'll drive you away. <laughs> if anything, yeah. if you want an attorney with no sense of humor, there are plenty of those. If you want one that occasionally cusses and makes lots of dumb jokes, then you, you're coming to the right place. So Cody's contention is that when the parties have one fixed sum as damages for any material breach, they should, they should question it. Now, the D.C. Circuit just bats that away. Mm -hmm. They basically say, no, that's, that's not true at all. First of all, 
The contract didn't say that every kind of breach in the employment agreement would trigger the liquidated damages provision, only breaches that were, quote, material. Again, another squish word. What's a material <laughs> breach? A big one. What's an immaterial breach? A little one. What's the difference between a big breach and a little breach? Depends on the size of your argument. Here, You'll know it when you see it. Sorry. You know it when you see it. That's right. <laughs> Here... <laughs> they said, look, dude, come on. You were trying to steal from them. Okay, that would be material. Trying to steal is a material breach. Let's just get that straight. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the second thing that the DC Circuit says, it was not an unreasonable amount. They point out that when he was first hired in 1993, the amount of liquidated damages, liquidated damages was $50,000. In 1994, it was amended to make it incremental increasing. So from 1994 to 1996, it was $150,000 for liquidated damages, 1997, $300,000, and 1998, $400,000. Increasing the amount of damages each year was justified to reflect Cody's increasing value to the firm and his increased responsibilities and availability able to steal. Uh, no, it doesn't say that. Uh, his increased responsibilities within the firm. He was not only the head of the Boston office, but he was also the only lawyer in that office with substantial experience in the firm's Boston practice areas. So he basically got Cody like running the Boston office. Like he's the, just, I don't know. What's the, what's the equivalent of the Godfather, the Irish equivalent of the Godfather. Consigliere. Yeah. He's like, yeah, exactly. So they can reasonably argue that his termination for cause, meaning that he did something wrong would likely be disruptive and cause both considerable losses and expenses while the firm sought to replace him. In fact, one of the partners in the firm testified that the lost business opportunities that they missed out on as a result of his termination was between one and $1.5 million. Mm. And so the court says the district court below was right to allow the claim for liquidated damages. And there's a bunch of other stuff here, but I'm skipping all that other stuff. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, so reasonable relationship because it, it was a uh, material breach. Don't steal. The amount increased and it bore some relationship to the actual damages which were introduced to be proven. So, Questions? So they they weren't looking for the money that may have been a, a loss from what he was doing wrong against the company. It was more like they had to get rid of him and they lost the the revenue generated by him in the interim, right, between when they had to replace him and his firing. Right. The, the the liquidated damages were related to his breach of the agreement. Oh, right. So, yeah. Uh, but but yeah. like the way they assessed that was based on, okay, now we don't have the consigliere of Boston at this moment. We're missing out on all this money that could be potentially made if he had just not been fired. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so the perspective or the point of view, the, what the court does is they try and look at it from the point in time that the contract was made. So what did the parties anticipate instead of looking at it from hindsight, what, what actually happened? Because the liquidated damages could be more or could be less than what the actual damages might be. So there's some argument here that the liquidated damages was actually maybe low. What the court looks at is they, they kind of in their, in their mind, they go back in time 
to the time when you made the contract. So here's 1993 and then, and then amended and basically says, if we go back in time in our minds to the time when they were making the deal, when they were making the deal, did the parties have a reasonable expectation that this is what, this is what the losses could be if the, if the contract was breached? Oh, I see. Okay. So was it reasonable from that perspective at that point in time, not what the end result was, what ended up happening because, you know, hindsight is 2020 and all that. We're just full of the, uh, we're full of the cliches today, but yeah, when they, when the parties (laughs) were originally making the deal and they, they were looking at what, what could or couldn't happen. Um, the example of the construction contract is, is also a good one. A lot of unforeseen things can happen um, Mm. over the life of a construction project. You could have, like, we had this terribly wet winter. If you were trying to build something this winter, you would have hit a lot of rain delays and couldn't have predicted that in years past. So we're not going to hold either party responsible for things that they couldn't necessarily predict the weather. Right. Um, The weatherman can't even predict the weather. Act of God. So, yeah. Yeah. So, but what we're going to look at is what was, what was a reasonable thing to think about at the time that we were making the contract. We probably assumed there'd be some rain delays. Don't know how much, but did we, did we reasonably account for it? So let's say you had a contract that said you can have up to 10 rain delays that are no fault, no penalty. Well, there were a lot more than 10 days of rain in the past year. So in LA, so uh, you know, so they maybe undercounted the number, but but it was a reasonable guess because there's a about that many rainy days in the rainy season, whatever. Mm. I I don't know. I'm not a meteorologist, so I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna get some hate mail right now from the meteorologists. Mm-hmm. Another population of people I've pissed off. I'm so sorry. Oh I keep God, losing I know. Listeners. I mean, the big one was when you pissed off the entire Federalist Society. From here, it's just like you're just gravy. Oh yeah. Thing, you know? Oh, and I've got some more stuff for Florida later. Yeah, uh, not, can't wait. Not, I'm not gonna get to it in this episode, but I'm gonna just mm-hmm. I'm just gonna take a dump on Florida in one of my upcoming episodes. So please it's, do. It's overdue. It's way overdue. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's so much to choose from, but uh, uh, yeah. Here's my 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 question that pops out to me is, mm-hmm. you know, they say it's appropriate for the the dam the liquidated damages to increase over time because that reflects properly this guy's increased standing and importance in the firm. But I'm like, what's the consideration for this guy like that that he has to be subject to increasing damages, right? Like, like why would he like submit to that if he's not getting paid more under that contract necessarily? You know, well, I think or, like, he, you know, insulated. Yeah, I mean. Th- mm. it, I, I don't have every term of his contract, but, I, but mm. you know, he had increasing responsibilities. He was the key person in that um, Boston office. Right. Um, and, you know, he was basically supervising everybody. Super I don't know what his bonus structure was. Yeah. Do we know, Do we know how much his salary was? Uh, million dollars. No, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, I don't know. I mean, that's, I mean, opinion, but... if you, if you're, if you're the head of a, a, a whole office like that, I'm, I'm assuming it's not, I think I think I saw that like the claim below was for like five hundred thousand dollars. So something it was yeah. not. Yeah, it was a high. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he was making plenty. Yeah. All right. So um, examples for um, liquidated damages provisions you might see. You might see liquidated damages for uh, late delivery of a product. Mm. So a business agrees to sell a product, but they don't deliver a product on time. The buyer could be entitled to liquidated damages for losses because they could you know, miss the market. If you're t- selling, you know, like some kind of toys and you miss the holiday season, then you could be in, in real trouble. So it could be a percentage or it could be a set amount. Failure to provide a necessary service. You know, you're you're going to hire a roofer 
in, uh, you know, you don't want your, I guess I'm a little focused on the rain today, but you don't want your, your roof to leak. And, you know, if the roofer doesn't come, you're going to be out of luck. So you agree that, you know, it's difficult to find other roofers. And so you're going to have liquidated damages provision. Late payment we mentioned before, this is where you will probably most likely see them where you have a late fee. If you have a credit card and you pay it late, as I have done, there's a late fee. <laughs> I don't anymore. I have an auto payment, but there's yeah. a late fee, you know, 40 bucks or whatever. That's essentially liquidated damages. Okay. That's not the credit card company would argue. It's not a penalty. I, I don't know what damages they're really suffering if you're paying yeah. one day late. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's a specific amount of money that is um, owed by the party who's late. Um, a, a lease uh, rental agreement can have a liquidated damages clause, and they often do. Um, if you, you know, you, your rent's due on the first of the month, you pay it before the fifth, then if you, on the fifth, there's a 10% penalty. It's very common. And that's a valid liquidated damages provision because the landlord is going to have to send a notice, is going to have to, you know, follow up. And so they're going to typically get that. Although if you have a decent landlord and a good excuse and you're a pretty good advocate, maybe you get a break the first time. Um, the idea is that it's it has a deterrent effect, a late fee. So it's something that, you know, can be could be waived or, you know, encourages people to pay on time and perform their contract. Hmm. That seems fair and just. It's basically credit card companies in the like like Pavlovian training us, right? To like like you get zapped enough times and you stop being sending spending late fees, right? I was yeah. saying your credit card mm -hmm. payments late. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Copyright or trademark infringement is another area you see a lot of liquidated damages because intellectual property, the losses can be very hard to calculate. If you lose your rights to something or, you know, or trademark infringement, that kind of thing, you can agree to a certain amount. So those are just a few examples of the types of liquidated damages clauses you might see. Some of the liquidated damages that you can avoid, you can look forward to enjoying in your adult life. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, all too normal. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely argued my way out of, uh, a, a, I don't know, for some reason, the, the auto pay that I'd set up, I thought it was set up, but long story short, I had to get a new card. And I guess because the new card, it just, uh, I had to set up the auto pay with that new credit card. And so I had a hundred dollar late fee and I argued with them and they were like, all right, we'll just take it away because we just don't want to have to talk to you anymore. <laughs> yes. Uh, annoy them into submission. Works all the yeah. time. So in a way it, 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 it's Pavlovian in, in the sense that it teaches you how to be annoying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, we're going to take a quick break. You can go take care of your liquidated damages while we uh, take this mm -hmm. break if necessary. Um, oh, and when we come back, we'll have Comedy Court. Is it a very childish joke? I'm sorry. When we come back, we'll have Comedy Court. Here's the story of coronavirus. When the government was clearly unprepared, all of us had heard the Contact. 
You're on mute. Live comedy the second Saturday of every month at the Pack Theater in Hollywood. And we're back. Welcome to Comedy Court. All rise. <clears throat> the courtroom of uh, Superior Court Judge William D. Clerk. And might now I say you're session. looking very fine, Your Honor, just on the record. <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, well, I think let's start with the Pledge of Allegiance. Oh, we'll skip the Pledge of Allegiance. We already mm-hmm. got that. Okay. Well, uh, let's see. I've got them in front of my uh, in front of me today. I've got the um, case of Ascraft and Garrels mm-hmm. against um, Kobe. So uh, um, go ahead, uh, Kobe. Uh, state Kobe. your case. Co- uh, go ahead, Kobe. May, may the record reflect that my name is not Kobe. I am neither a delicious kind of beef nor an all-time excellent basketball player. I am Cody. A man, a simple man, a man coming up against a juggernaut of a law firm who was bent on doing me wrong whilst I was single-handedly and backbreakingly running all the game. And uh, all the your, 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 your honor, yeah, uh, come on. We're not going to go oh, through the, a the, monologue the here. will recognize Ashcraft and Goral. What? Well, I just, look, I don't, I don't think it's appropriate for her to have a little monologue here. That's a completely baseless lie that she's spewing. So let's, can we just move forward uh, with, with the initial arguments here? Uh, Your Honor, I object to this objection. Of of Asco and Asco and Goro. (laughs) Thank you. Thank thank you, Your Honor. Listen, this is a pretty open and shut case here, okay? Uh, The defendant clearly was stealing from the company, sharing trade secrets, and in the contract, there is a liquidation damages clause, which he signed. I don't see how, I don't, okay. I, I mean, that, that, there, there, there's nothing more than that. Okay, Obje- objection, Obje- I'm sorry, I have to come back in here, Your Honor, because uh, I you will know, just You know, I just was wanted to, you know, I, I was thinking about developing a product, and maybe you people can give me some advice about this, uh, 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 Mr. Kobe's and Mr. Uh, Asco. Uh, so, I, you know, I was thinking about a, a drink, like a sports beverage called liquid damages that would be, you know, we could, we could advertise it and market it. Maybe, maybe you, Mr. Kobe, you could, your you honor, know, I would a be commercial or something. And, you know, and I could just get a cut of the profits. What do you guys say? It's go into business together. I would be honored to go into business with you, your honor, but not with these, with these twisted fools over at Ashcraft and Garrel or whatever it's called. <clears throat> you're, you're, your Honor, I don't see any future with this person. I, I mean, right now, right now, that is, that is a suit. This defendant is wearing a suit that used to be company property right now. We bought a whole bunch of those suits at Brooks Brothers, never That's returned right. it. From the little boys section, Your Honor, they did not even spring for me to get a full man suit. I mean, it was- speaking of little boys, this reminds me of a really good joke I heard the other day. Yep. So there's two ships passing in the night. One's a friendship and one's a partnership. Mm-hmm. Which one of those ships sails, Your Honor? Well, a friendship is the one that sails because a partnership is the only kind of ship that doesn't sail. Yes. And this and this ship has sunk. This Can- ship has sunk. 
That is point true. of honor, final point of honor, I will just say the following thing. If we're really talking about the liquidated damage clause here, and we're talking about reasonableness, how reasonable is it for a law firm not to anticipate their managing partner who does all of the work and, and handles all of the cases out of their Boston office is not going to steal from them? How reasonable is that? Very unreasonable, in my opinion. All lawyers know lawyers. Lawyers know lawyers. So, wait, wait, hold on. Hold, no hold on. honor among thieves. What say no you, Ashcraft? Thieves. Your honor, my uh, <laughs> my uh, cell phone's missing. I, I could have sworn I put it on this table over here. What's the? Uh... Your honor, I know this is a little weird, but could you could you just dial this number for me, please? You have your cell phone on you. Yes, 888-555-1234. That's the yeah, Ashcraft could, yeah. I have you on speed dial. Anytime if yeah. I get hurt, you know, I'm going to be... I oh, don't pardon even me, your honor. Yep. I appear to be getting several phone calls. That Hello? Hey, That's my phone! I really, I really like that idea about liquid damages, the energy drink. I Thank you. I think it's a that. fantastic idea, too. Sure. Uh, do you think we could get... Conversation um, with him? Uh, do you want to conspire together? I'm just off the record. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in uh, stealing some trade secrets from Ashcraft and Gerald and using them to fund this sports drink. I'm just telling you. Well, that sounds like a fantastic idea. Yeah. All right. I will announce my. Uh, I'll announce my decision from the bench. Yep. Um, the court has read has read the papers of the parties, has considered the arguments of counsel, and has um, come to the following decision. Number one. Ashcraft and Garrel has a very handsome lawyer. Yeah. Number two, Cody has excellent taste in sports drinks. Thank you. Yeah. Number three, I will be personally having the liquidated damages provision paid to me via my bailiff. I'll send the decision in the mail. Did we both lose? You did. The, the, the yeah. court's going to be taking the liquidated damages under submission. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Um, you know, they don't call it county uh, court uh, for nothing. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, uh, they're uh, Attorney Cody, Attorney Cody, uh, you just announced that uh, you just were a law loser in comedy court. What, uh, what do you have to say for yourself? I will tell you that the judge was nothing short of a bozo, that I plan to take his liquidated sports damages sports drink idea to the bank. And I will not be paying him any sort of uh, compensation for that. They, oh, I need to go ahead and get a, get a comment from the uh, from the attorney for Ashcraft and Garrel. Uh, sir, 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 I'm, you 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 also lost. Uh, do, do you have a comment? Yeah, I can't. I, for the life of me, I can't find my keys anywhere. I just swear to God, they were in my breast pocket. I, uh, this is really frustrating because I, I got to go pick up my daughter from, from school. Uh, check out my new Tesla. I just acquired oh. it. <laughs> Bailiff! Bailiff, we got a goddamn thief in our midst! Do you need a ride? I'm not going to take a ride from you in my own car. Give me my goddamn Actually, keys. I, you know, I, I actually do, and probably the judge does too, so let's, let's get out of here. All right. See you later, Ashcraft and Garrel. And that was Comedy Court. And we rode off into the sunset. <laughs> <laughs>
I was going to say my my on appeal. I think I would raise probably on appeal of the appeal, which is a thing. Um, on appeal of the appeal, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would raise that. Of course, there was no jurisdiction. Now, this is not a claim I need to have have a, at any point raised below. I will raise it now, uh, and it will say, "Fringe flag, Admiralty Court." It's so. well known that Comedy Court does not have a fringed flag. That's <laughs> that's something that just you know. So so had that come up, you know. Uh, it just wouldn't. It wouldn't have gone anywhere. It wouldn't have flown. Oh, nice! No oh gosh! Oh. Mm-hmm. You know what? That sounded like a frivolous pun to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the only ship that doesn't sail is an admiralty flag in court. That's the only ship that doesn't sail. Oh man, that dog don't hunt. I think uh-huh. there should be. There, I I want. I imagine pi- a pirate flag, like a like a skull. Can you imagine what like like a conservative like a survivalist group would do if they walked into a courtroom and in lieu of the American flag, there's just a giant fringe to Jolly Roger. Yeah. <laughs> by, by the way, producer Jeff is a Navy vet, and uh, he's got everything. I don't know how often we go with like like really lame, idiotic comments that show that we've never been off of dry land like ever. <laughs> Like, I usually listen to these like, oh my God, I'm going to kill these people. They do not know what's going on. <laughs> no. uh, we'll just insert a comment from Jeff right here. Producer Jeff here. My lawyer has advised that I should not respond to any commentary in this episode. <laughs> Thanks for that, Jeff. I don't know what you're going to say, but what you said was uh, brilliant. <laughs> Jeff, you're great. He is great. You know that? He really is. He really is. So much gusto. Um, he does. It just um <laughs> uh... Are you ready for some improv? Yes, I am. Yes. Now do some improv. Okay, well, I'm um Dad, I, I I have something to talk to you about. Um Sure, yes, sure, honey. Sure. Oh, I love you I, so much. I made a mistake. Yes, I, I love you too. I, I got a really cool new special edition Britney Spears credit card and I didn't read the fine print and I was late on the payment. And now they're telling me I need to give them my kidney. And I, I don't know if I can spare the kidney because I'm looking, I'm, I'm getting towards kidney failure already. Well, all I can say is, oops, you did it again. Oh, yeah, oh. <laughs> but I'm not a, I'm not yet a Good woman. One, Thank you. Well, this is, Go ahead, this, darling. This, you're, you're, this is your expertise, the, the, the whole parenting and advice giving. I just do the puns. Well, I, I, I am the more matronly of the two. Um, listen, I not going to lie. I'm a little disappointed in you. Um, for not coming to us first before signing up for a Britney Spears credit card because you just... cry me a river, cry me a river, okay? I have a right because I'm not yet, a, I'm not a girl, okay? Wait, is that another Britney Spears reference? Yes. Clearly, you've got the the pun skills from your father. I mean, this father, not your other father, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, if I knew more Britney Britney Spears songs, I could make more Britney Spears puns. That's <laughs> a good one, sweetie. Listen, I just I'm disappointed because you realize that 
we're, both your fathers are lawyers. And the, what did we always tell you? Look out Read for it. liquidated damages clauses that have been one-sided and not well negotiated by either party. Yes. Well, what I just want to know is, have you charged up your entire Kevin Fetter credit line? I That was a toxic reference that I refuse to acknowledge. <laughs> you refuse to acknowledge it? It was That's toxic. crazy. Nice. Very nice. Um, you know what? <laughs> I can do it too, honey. I got lost oh, in the so game. You, I think I've rubbed off on you a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you did. Well, I think we need to write the credit bureau. Don't you think so? I Maybe think yeah, if we... A if sternly we, worded letter. Yeah. Just... Uh, Let's start working on it right now. Okay. Dear great. Britney Spears credit card. My daughter is only 14. What are you thinking giving her a $10,000 credit line? Mm. And course, also, I'll also mm-hmm. add this. Uh, uh, her kidneys are not for you. That's for us when we inevitably succumb to kidney failure. Exactly. Your these, <clears throat> Let me just add that to the letter. Our uh, her kidneys are not for you; they are for us. Uh, your because we like li- to go hard. We like to go hard at night. That's right. We do. That's well known. Uh, and um, you know, actually, maybe we should maybe we should pop one open right now. I'll finish this letter, don't you think? Why? I mean, I'm already halfway into the cupboard. <laughs> 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 well, it is three o'clock. <laughs> I don't feel like you gave me enough. I need you to give me, give me more. Well, oh, that's I mean, another reference, isn't it? <laughs> the, 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 well, the Europeans do give their children alcohol at quite a young, supple age. And uh, I feel like we're doing her right. We are. We, I feel like this is like a European family, don't you, sweetie? There we go. I All I know is that I, this card should have been free, Brittany. <sighs> I just feel like sometimes, like I'm being overprotected. Cognac. No. Oh, thank you. Baby, one more time. I'm done. That's it. I've got it. That's all the ones I've got. Okay. Well, let's send out the letter and let's see what happens. And this is obviously an email, not a letter, because (laughs) the year is 2021. And (laughs) send. Uh, response from Britney Spears credit card company. <clears throat> Would you like a piece of me? End response. And that, that's all they wrote? That's, that's all really they wrote. That's all they, um, they didn't they didn't even it's a, sign off. It's a it's a Britney Spears reference. Yeah. No, I, I figured as much. But yeah. I just, mm-hmm. Well that's listen, they, listen. They What's are they really going to come over here and really? I mean, this is laughable. They're not going to actually come and and try to take your your kidneys since you missed a payment. They're not. There's no way somebody's going to just show up at the door. Hello, hello. I'm here from the Britney Spears credit card company to collect a kidney. You may get in the bathtub immediately, and we will go ahead and excise the kidney from you. You brought a bathtub with you. Yes, and it's ice, and there's ice here too. Well, all right. According to the terms of this contract, I am a slave for you. So, no, well, no, honey. Right now, is just let's just can we stop with the the stop with the Britney okay. Spears puns? Okay, fine, fine, fine. This is actually oh, happening. You know, I only taught her via puns, so that's my fault. 
All right, go ahead. Get in the bathtub. No, no, hold, hold on, please. This is my, this is me and my husband's only daughter. Okay, you are. By the way, you're extremely tall. You look like Lurch. Uh, but anyhow, thank you. I do get that a lot. Can I ask you how my my kidney is going to help pay any unanticipated damages to cover the cost of any damages? Are you going to sell my kidney? Um. Well, point of order. Uh, Miss Spears just simply likes to collect them. She's got a, a room in her house. I don't know if you know this, but she just collects kidneys just to look at them. So um, this would be the fifth one she'll have on display. I, I read that she had an underground bunker that was filled with like extra organs just in case the world ever ended. Also true. Mm. Mm-hmm. That, mm. that. And, and one of her studio albums is down there too. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, a little, little bit of tidbit. We take yeah. your kidney, we give you trivia. It's just a bonus for doing business with the Britney Spears credit card company. Wow. Um, Lurch, uh, if I could <clears> just, uh, I mean, can't we just pay the money? I, I just want to pay this off, okay? Let's just forget about the kidneys. I just want to, you know, make things great, make, make things even. So how much does she owe? According to this statement, she owes $14,000, but I'll take cash and small bills in a suitcase and we'll call it a day. What do you say? And her kidney's fine, right? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, can't speak for the other people behind me, the second round of collections, but for me, it'll be fine. Oh, my God. And you, you've already been through some people today, huh? I see some blood back there. Oh, yes, yes, yes. There's a there was a a 12 year old boy down the block. Don't know what he was doing with the Britney Spears credit card, but uh, we took care of it. Everybody didn't even have parents. What do you say, sweetie? I think everybody in school's got a Britney Spears credit card. Everybody's losing their kidneys right and left. We cut to the school cafeteria. Uh, Sign up for your. Sign up for your Britney Spears credit card over here at the lunch table. And um, we're getting we're giving out free pencils if you sign up for a Britney Spears credit card. Uh, are you interested in a Britney Spears credit card? Wow, support the cool... support the cheerleading club. Wow, these are look at these pencils, really cool. Yeah, they have a bobblehead on the top. So come and support Britney the Spears Britney Spears bo- credit card. Mm-hmm. It supports the cheerleading club. What do you, you what do you think, Kristen? You want to do it? Um, 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 I was told that uh, I should read the fine print uh, before I sign anything, uh, because uh, my older sister lost her kid. Don't be a nerd. Don't be a I'm, nerd. I'm, Are you being a nerd? I'm. Don't be also, a nerd. Okay, I'll buy one. I'll get one because be I want cool. to be a cheerleader. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're not going to be a cheerleader, but you're going to support the cheerleader club. So don't be a nerd. Support you the cheerleader club. You Get a can't credit card too. That I could, I could, maybe I could become a cheerleader. Maybe over time, maybe it's reasonable to assume that that'll be part of the fallout of me even just getting this credit card is that one day I become a cheerleader because of it. It's a chain of events that happens. You can't stop. Everybody knows reasonable is a squishy word. Well, geez, you've got a squishy face. <laughs> oh, wow. Get that a lot. Oh, Kristen, what's gotten into you today? My God. I just I feel like I feel like I'm like I'm turning over a whole new leaf. I just honestly like I'm thinking like maybe I should 
like just like start a life of crime. I take my Britney Spears credit card and I use it to like defraud people. These these are big words, defraud. I just wanted to eat lunch and buy pencils. You're thinking small. We cut to the uh, the Spencer's store at the uh, Santa Anita Mall. Uh, hey, hey kid, do you want to get some uh, Rick and Morty t-shirts or perhaps a uh, Riverdale uh, sweatshirt? Those we have really uh, good. Yeah, we have some Dungeons and Dragons themed um, bracelets over here um, and some goo. I don't know. You want some? Want some stuff like that? Yeah. This is, by the way, at this Spencer's, we focus on customer service in case you didn't notice. Yeah. It's really good customer uh, service. Kristen, you. you're really trying to like, you, Kristen, you're really trying to change your whole look now that you've decided to live a life of crime. I That's guess, right. I guess kids that shop at Spencer do look sh- like. Don't tell them I'm living a life of crime. I'm going to tell them that they're going to give me this stuff as collateral based on my perspective bonus. It's going to work. Uh, Spencer's has a really great bartering system. And then maybe. Are you going to, maybe you can get the Spencer's credit card and, and then just never pay them back. Oh, okay. This is an idea. That's a good idea. Maybe you right, should so be the one can... leading a real life crime. All right. So wow. you want me to check you, ring you out? You've got like 42 keychains, 12 t shirts, hey, um, some kind one of, of those lamp thing. Is for you. What's that? One of those keychains oh. is for you. Well, flatter me some more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's not creepy. Is that a flag I see in the corner of the shop? A Hot Topic or a Spencer's flag? Oh, yeah. It's, it's a rainbow flag, and then it has a seven leaves. And if you know what that means, uh, you know, seven leaves refers to, you know what it means, right? And it's, so it's cool. People. It's like clip. Yeah, seven <laughs> leaves. That's what it means. <laughs> <laughs> First off. Wait. So yeah, you could get the rainbow flag with the with the seven. That's cool, man. And that's uh, really cool. Uh huh. And uh, that means see. that means. Wait. So that's not the right. That's not the right flag you're supposed to have in your store. So that means we could just kind of take anything here, right? That's because right. You, yeah, pretty you're much. Really I don't care. Up. I'm making minimum wage. I gotta care. go get my lunch at Sbarro. So uh, you know, can you just you know, I'm gonna have my I'm gonna have my I'll, I'll ring you out if you're done. Because I'm yeah. supposed to clock out in a minute. Hey, and... man. Hey, man. Put it all on Britney Spears, okay? Put it all on Britney. Baby, oh, baby. Shit. I'll hit your card one more time. And... I'll give you, give me oh. more. Oh, it's declined. But that's okay. Just take the stuff anyway. No Thank problem. Thank you. Panic in the streets. That's right. Britney already took my kidney. What else can she have from me? Well... At least you have the other one still. I mean, wait, what I, are you? Hold on, sorry, I'm on my lunch break now, so I'm allowed to socialize and fraternize with the patrons. And I must say, I want to hear more about this kidney. Will you walk with me to Sabaro as I get my delicious lunch? I would love to walk with you to uh, uh, to Sabaro, but can I just say that I anticipate there's a possibility we will run into a like a greasy floor spot, or we might trip and fall and hurt ourselves over the chairs and tables. And if that happens, I would like for you to agree to pay a penalty of no less than $10 million. Deal, you got yourself a deal. That sounds like a total winner for me. Okay, great, uh, great, great. Okay, super. 
Yeah, he's so much old. He's so much older than us. I don't know if we should be going with him, Kristen. Just be quiet and follow my lead when I fall in a second. Okay. Oh! <laughs> oh no, you fell. I should not have. You both fell. I should not have signed that contract. <laughs> oh. Wait, but wait, but I but I fell for no reason because I didn't sign a contract. I just fell and hurt myself. I'm not getting anything. <laughs> <laughs> He's hardly a future lawyer. Uh, <laughs> uh, the moral of the story is always sign your penalty provision before you intentionally slip and fall on a wet spot in the mall. Don't call it a penalty tr a provision. That's a trick of the trade. <laughs> call it a liquidated damages, <laughs> pr damages provision. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's our show for this week, folks. Before we go, I want to give... Uh, give Henry a chance to shamelessly plug himself. Uh, we mentioned something about um, the West Side Comedy. Can you tell us a little bit about your show? Yeah, it's just uh, every Monday. Uh, there's a, It's a great group of people that meets and um, anybody can just come up and, and do some improv at the West Side, uh, West Side Comedy Theater in Santa Monica, uh, right off the promenade. So it starts Ooh. at 10 p.m. every Monday, 10 p.m. 10 p.m. on Mondays, great. And uh, where can people find you on the internet or socials? Um, let's do Instagram, uh, okay. Henry, the, at Henry, the David, you know, uh, pretty simple to remember. And if it's not, then I guess you'll never find me. All right. So I'll follow him. Do not DM without, uh, you know, friending him first or whatever. I don't know. I don't understand how that stuff works. Kristen, <laughs> yes. where, where can people find you? I am newly cast in a show that will be running every Friday, which is super exciting for ad, ad infinitum, apparently. So, or wow. uh, called The Rendezvous, and it's a close quarters format. Come check it out in, if you're in Austin, Texas. Come <laughs> on Austin, out. Texas. Yeah. The Rendezvous, Austin, Texas. What, what is The Rendezvous about? Uh, Rendezvous is a close quarter, is a team, uh, does close quarters format, and we're at Cold Town Theater, and we just got formed, and we didn't make ourselves, they made us, and I don't know much about it other than that, but I know it's oh. going to be a romp, it's going to be great. What is close quarters? I don't, I'm not familiar with that term. It's a really cool improv format where you are not in one room, but like you're in like one overarching area, like an airport or a mall or something. So you can be in component places within that overarching area, but you're uh -huh. going along a continuous timeline. So like, if you hear a sound in one scene, you might hear it in another scene, like, you know what I mean? Because oh, that's cool. You're all in the same place at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're in a mall and then you're in a Spencer's and then you're at a Sparrow, that kind of thing. Exactly. Except exactly. we didn't really, we didn't really sustain it like that, but <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, well, check out Kristen if you're in Austin, Texas, or find her on the socials at. Uh, my Instagram is uh, Kristen Drenning with no spaces or anything. Just K-R-I-S-T-E-N-D-R-E-N-N-I-N-G. All right. Yeah. Thanks so much. Well, let's uh, let's say goodbye, folks. Bye. 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 I'd like to thank my crew today, Kristen and Henry, for joining me on the show as we descend to insanity.